Hello and welcome to episode eight of ND Inspo, where our mission is to connect, grow, and inspire naturopathic doctors and students from all over. My name is Dr. Kirsten DeWitt, and today I have with me Dr. Laura Neville. Dr. Laura is a naturopathic doctor graduating from NUNM with a background in massage therapy and exercise science, as well as ballet and competitive gymnastics, which I think is so awesome. She is the creator of Energy Explosion. She's a speaker, a writer, and she works with Labrics. Her journey with her own autoimmune disease is ultimately what led her to naturopathic medicine. And with being diagnosed at a very young age, Dr. Laura states that although conventional medicine is what kept her alive, naturopathic medicine is what truly made her well which I feel is just so powerful and such a powerful statement. And I'm so excited to sit down with Dr. Laura today and to have her share with us her journey, both to naturopathic medicine as well as through autoimmune disease and how it's kind of impacted the way that she practices and the way that she she currently works and has, um, and has worked with her patients. And so thank you so much, Dr. Laura, Neville for being here with me today, for taking the time to share this journey with us. And so I'm really curious if if you could just kind of take us back, take us back to the beginning where this all started, because it, it sounds like it did start really young. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do that. So yeah, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was seven. And, um, you know, a lot of type 1 diabetics are, are diagnosed quite young, the age of two, the age of five, seven. What's interesting nowadays is that there's a lot, um, a lot of type 1s that are diagnosed much later in their 20s or their 30s, which is, is very interesting. That, that didn't used to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but that was really, if I look back on it, that was the start of everything. Now, I didn't fully comprehend, um, you know, I didn't know about naturopathic medicine probably until I was in my early 20s. So, it, you know, there was a lot of years there where I struggled and I, you know, knew that there was a piece of medicine that was really missing for me. And I didn't quite, as a young child, even as, you know, as early as seven, I didn't know how to vocalize that. I didn't know what that was, but I just knew there was something something missing. I remember being in the hospital. I stayed there for about a week, you know, when we were trying to figure out how to dose insulin and, and all of those things. And um, I remember the, the doctor saying, okay, you know, you have a problem with sugar. You can't have sugar anymore. And I was like, okay, I, you know, I get that. I could understand that as a seven-year-old. But I remember them feeding me a huge bowl of raisin bran and it was covered, the little raisins were covered in powdered sugar. And I thought, well, this is strange. I remember asking my mom, like, they said I can't have sugar. So why are these raisins that they're feeding me covered? And you can, you know, not even see the raisin part. It was just solid white crystalline yeah. substance. And so um, I think at that moment, I knew whether I realized it then or not, you know, really that there, there was some, you know, pieces that were really wrong here. And that was going to lead me down a whole journey of trying to discover um, the, the deeper meaning of it all and, and figuring all of that out. So yeah, that led me to my early 20s before I even knew what naturopathic medicine was. But that's, that's kind of where it started. 
Um, and I saw my first naturopathic doctor. It was because I, it was for vanity purposes, really. It wasn't type 1 diabetes. I had cystic acne and I thought, oh, this is it. This, this can't be, you know, how I walk around. And so I saw a naturopathic doctor who kind of started um, diving into hormones and uh, teaching me all about that, teaching me about blood sugar regulation and just opened up a whole new world for me. But it was, it, you know, obviously a long journey before I figured that stuff out. So. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. Um, and it, it sounded like um, I believe in other conversations that you've mentioned that you had another diagnosis as well with autoimmune disease, um, yeah. not too many years after being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Is that? Yeah, those dang autoimmune conditions, yeah. you know, they like to come in pairs and even triplets sometimes. So I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's when I was about 10. Um, and you know, the, it's quite common for type ones to also develop Hashimoto's. So I think, you know, we were really on the lookout for that. And the doctors, fortunately at that time, were kind of testing my antibody levels consistently. And we finally saw those pop up, you know, a few years later. So yeah, definitely. They love to come in, in twos and threes. And it's, it's a bit of a snowball effect until you can really figure out the deeper underlying component of that. Mm -hmm. And so when you say, um, you know, conventional medicine is what kept you alive, and, but naturopathic medicine is what truly made you well, what, um, can you, can you kind of elaborate on that and just, you know, what, what does that mean to you? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, going back to that whole, you know, years of me just knowing that, well, I should say, so growing up as a type one, you're taught a lot. I mean, there's a huge fear component that is driven into the conventional system. You know, like mm -hmm. you're going to lose your fingers and your toes and your kidneys are going to fail and you're going to go blind. And, you know, there's a lot of that driven into you. And I think, especially for the young children, we have to be really careful about that. There is absolute truth in that, but it needs to be done in kind of a, a soft way, right? Children are really receptive um, to that fear that, that our conventional world kind of runs on. Um, it's not a great motivator. And so, you know, it was my search for always that deeper part in growing up and, and, and the American Diabetes Association really teaches um, their, their patients to eat a, it's a high carb, low fat diet, which I will say just, you know, sends people on a roller coaster with blood sugars as type mm -hmm. ones. And so there's really just this, this, roller coaster ride that they go on and this sense of like defeat, you know, that they're not good at um, being type one, that they don't control their blood sugars very well. It's this kind of vicious cycle that they get thrown into. So it was in my early twenties when I had acne that drove me to seek some kind of alternative care ended up, I, I found a naturopathic doctor and she ran um, a hormone test on me and discovered that I had high testosterone. And that was kind of this vicious cycle. What was happening, eating high carb, having blood sugar dysregulation, and actually very early re insulin resistance, which is not good in a type 1 diabetic. Mm. Um, that can drive androgen levels. So I had high testosterone, high DHEA, skin was breaking out like crazy, I was a little overweight had a lot of anxiety and depression and mood stuff going on. And she said, Hey, um, every time you eat a carbohydrate, 
you should add a protein or a fat to it. So if you eat, eat an apple, add some peanut butter. And she kind of explained, you know, the carbohydrate would absorb more slowly and there would be less of an impact on uh, blood sugar. And I thought, this is like blew my mind. I thought that makes so much sense. And why, why am I just now learning this? How yeah. come they didn't teach me this when I was seven years old, you know, and looking back and eating all that raisin bran. <laughs> so <laughs> I just thought, Oh, oh my gosh, this, yeah, this just like opened up a whole new world to me. And, you know, that was just kind of the tipping point, but that's what allowed me just that simple statement as, as simple as that sounds, you know, a lot of times realize that type ones aren't taught that they're not taught about lower carbohydrate eating and, um, higher Even type twos, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, a uh, whole new world opened up and, and I was able to kind of take that and run with it. You know, that, that gave me the inspiration I needed to say, oh my gosh, there is a, you know, an easier way out there. And I actually can control my blood sugars a lot better than I ever realized. And I just knew at that moment, I thought this, this doctor changed the course of my life and my health within a matter of a few visits, right? Like one to get the information from me two to say, mm, we should test your hormones, another visit to run the hormones and then to sit down and talk about it. I mean, that, that's incredible. And so that's what I say when I say, you know, that that's what made me well is because I was able to go on to that deeper understanding. I had such a superficial knowledge of what was going on in my body. And I just kind of walked around with this knowledge or this feeling that I was broken and that I was a, you know, not a great type one diabetic too, because my blood sugars were all over the place, but I had no clue how to control that eating, you know, high carb, low, low fat. And so that's, that's what really what I mean by that. It's, you know, conventional medicine could give me insulin and could teach me kind of how to dose that and it could keep me alive for sure, mm -hmm. but it couldn't teach me those deeper aspects to actually make me well, you know? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like what she did was help. And, and something that I kind of think about when I'm working with people is, is really just helping to connect those dots. Because, you know, like you said, autoimmune disease often comes in pairs or <laughs> um, triplets. And so, um, you know, once we kind of dive into the why and, and connecting those dots, and you start, it starts to make sense for people why this would why this would happen after this, you know, um, diet and lifestyle and, and not just all of these different factors that often don't get connected for us um, in, in conventional uh, medicine. But of course, oh, yeah. you know, we need, we need the combination of both and they're, they're both important medicines. Um, but the the education that naturopathic doctors tend to give their patients and clients i feel is really um really what i mean and it sounds like with your story as well is what makes the the biggest difference is just understanding what is actually going on yeah. yeah absolutely if you can inspire someone your patients your clients as a naturopathic doctor you know it's like you light that fire and they, they will seek and get better from then on out, right? Like they'll take the ball and they'll roll with it. 
Um, you can't be that there with them at every moment that they're at mm -hmm. home and they have the choice to reach for those Doritos or that bowl of raisin bran. But if you connect the dots for them or you help them to see that, you know, then they're golden from there on out. They will keep continuing to seek, uh, seek those deeper answers. And so really that, that's what they need is just that magic kind of connecting of the dots, as you, as you say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that deeper understanding and awareness, um, I feel like you said, is really what drives the, the change and it helps, it helps, you know, I think about compliance and part of what I've been trying to understand is, okay, how do we, how do we increase compliance? And a lot of that is internalizing that motivation, which is through the teaching that we do primarily, like that's a big motivating yeah. factor, a big way to internalize it because you get that awareness, you get that understanding. It makes sense why you're making these changes. You're not just handed, you know, the, like this is what you need to take. These are the, the medicines you need to take. This is yeah. when you need to take them. Um, but you're, you're told why and, and you're told what it's doing. And, and that is ultimately what helps to internalize it so that you're you're more motivated to actually do it instead of just saying yeah. well doctor says so so i guess <laughs> yeah yeah we go. We're moving, yeah we're moving away from those days where you know we just wanted to be hand a little a booklet there are some people out there that still yeah. are, you know trained that way but yeah i think about that a lot too i recently had a patient that i i think i've been seeing him for almost four years now you know and i think it's frustrating for me. I think what I say goes in one ear and out the other and he makes no changes and, and, you know, nothing happens. But if you're just patient and you realize everyone's on their own journey, right. And that spark is going to light when it's supposed to, you know, yeah. so you be patient and you keep providing value, keep providing what you know, um, and it will eventually catch on, right. This patient mm -hmm. actually just recently we saw absolute drastic changes for him type 2 diabetes now his a1c is at like 5.5 whereas it was heading in the sevens even the eights mm -hmm. before um blood pressure has come down cholesterol has come down he's lost 30 pounds you know but it took it took three years three four years of me gently kind of teaching him these things before it really i think sunk in for him and somehow he finally connected those dots and ran with it you know but it can take a lot longer than we want it to as, yeah. as physicians. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes we see it. I mean, obviously we're going to see it a little more clearly than what they might at the time. Oh, yeah. And so we're like, if you just do this, like you're going to be so good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, and the, yeah. And that's why to me, the understanding human behavior. And I think we're going to talk about this a little bit, kind of the emotional aspect as well, because all of those things really impact um, compliance, which we know that if, if there's uh, better compliance, then um, we will likely have better outcomes. And that's just to the benefit of, of the patient, right? And so um, however we can increase those through education or through patients, <laughs> you know, yeah. just, just like you said, gradually nudging and, um, yeah. and staying with it and, and knowing that when they're ready, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You can have all of the knowledge, you can hand them all of that knowledge, right? But they do have to make the choice to really implement those things. And I think that's the piece that's the hardest for people sometimes. And 
you know, you just got, you got to learn to be patient, <laughs> even though, you know, this, this could really help them. And if they would just do this, you know, but they're on their own journey and it's going to happen for them when it's, when it's meant to happen, you know? And so mm-hmm. you get to be a little less hard on yourself too, as a, as a doctor, I think we're, we think we're in control and it's our responsibility to fix people. Um, but truly it's just about communicating the information and, and sitting back and letting that happen for them. Um, and kind of taking our, our hands off the wheel, because as I said, you know, each patient is on their own journey and, and Mm -hmm. that's going to happen for them when, when it's meant to. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's a really important, um, piece to, to remind us all of. And so I'm really curious because you had mentioned, you know, with going through your own journey that there was, there was a lot of fear out there. You know, there were these emotional components that you kind of had to navigate through. And so I'm curious what, um, what role you feel that played in your journey and how you kind of have, um, have worked through that on your own, but also with your patients, what kind of role that plays now in your practice with your, your own patients? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, you know, if you, if you get to a certain point in your career and in your journey as a healthcare practitioner, you do realize that the mental emotional aspect is probably the largest factor in health, um, hands down. Um, if there's, you know, dysregulation there and there's a lot of turmoil going on, that's going to pop up in every aspect of, of their physical being. And so I, I really do think that that is the, the kind of, um, magic potion that we need to be looking at and diving into deeper. And you're only able to do that with your clients and your patients if you're doing that on yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're in a place where there's a lot of turmoil and you've got a lot of unresolved stuff going on that shows up and how you, um, how you show up for your patients, you know, Mm -hmm. and setting boundaries and, and making sure they're, um, challenging themselves to look deeper and to look, you know, beyond those limitations and beyond, I think specifically labels. I I speak a lot about type one diabetes just because I have so much experience in that. And I think it's um, a unique diagnosis and that it is, um, I remember when I was younger, I thought, you know, I should just walk around with a label on my forehead when I went to see a conventional doctor, because really they just, they wanted to like, know that I was type one. And then that was, that was all they wanted to know. They kind of forgot. I felt like they, they didn't see me as a human behind this diagnosis label. And I was like, you know, I I feel like there's so much more to me than this, but that's all we ever really talked about. And I think it was in fact, you know, when I saw a naturopathic doctor that they were asking those deeper questions and kind of saw saw beyond the veil of the label and allowed me to get beyond that too. Um, and to realize there were emotional components beneath this. Um, and, and that, you know, diving into that actually, uh, made type one diabetes that much easier to manage. 
Um, but yeah, there's a whole, a whole bunch of emotional stuff that's underlying that I think that very rarely gets addressed, especially for type ones or, you know, anyone, any autoimmune condition out there that can have a pretty, you know, solid label on it. And then we just kind of get caught up in the numbers and the hemoglobin A1C and like the stats and we forget to, um, ask, ask how they're doing as a human, you know, and, um, especially with type one diabetes, anxiety comes up a lot. And so I would encourage you if you have type ones out there to just, you know, dive into that with them and make them feel heard, make them feel whole, make them, you know, realize that that label is just a very, very superficial thing for something that is quite, quite deep within their body and their being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, and just to, and, bringing that to light. I'm really curious what tools kind of helped you um, with your own personal journey, because like you said, physician heal thyself, right? So it's, it's so important to, to kind of do that work for ourselves. And so I'm curious what tools, cause there's so many out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious what tools kind of helped you. Yeah. Um, gosh, there's been so many over the years. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, the hormone piece actually as semi superficial as that sounds, that helped me a lot when I first discovered that when I was in my early twenties. So, um, I now actually work with a company that tests, it's a diagnostic laboratory company called Labrix and we test for salivary hormones. Um, that, that was the piece and that test alone is what drove me to understand my health at a deeper level, to understand the diabetes and the autoimmune condition, which doesn't seem necessarily correlated at first, but that, I mean, that was, that was the piece that really drove me. Um, so I would say if I could label maybe two things, it's the salivary hormone testing, as odd as that sounds, um, for me. And then that included cortisol, which is, is a big piece of autoimmune conditions as well. And kind of that adrenal fatigue and HP axis dysfunction picture. Um, but then also getting into meditation, that's absolute game changer. I wish that we could all, um, require ourselves (laughs) to do that. It's almost the most challenging thing to do, I think, uh, to do nothing, <laughs> to shut our minds <laughs> and learn how to just sit in our own bodies and not be, you know, turning and all the time. Um, so meditation would be the other aspect that I think personally for me has an absolute game changer. And do you have, because again, even within meditation, there's so many different forms. Do you have a favorite form or was there a form that you kind of started out in and did baby steps? Because I know sometimes it's easier, you know, to focus on your breath or there's just so many different ways of going about it. So I'm just really curious what you found to kind of work for you. Yeah, still to this day, I I try them all out. I go, I try all of them. But when I first started, I really liked using the apps available because it wasn't just me sitting there alone thinking 
I suck at this. I can't do it. My mind is just, you know, wandering all over the place. And so those were helpful because, and I often recommend those to my patients because they help guide you. It's like someone, it's almost like the handbook, right? That we know is not true, but in the beginning it's helpful because they can guide you and tell you, okay, breathe this way and start thinking about, you know, clouds passing by or leaves on a river. And, you know, it's a, it's a guidepost to get started. Um, once you get past that and you're a little bit more, uh, you know, in, in a place where you can take this on yourself, um, I'm really fascinated by this idea of heart-brain coherence mm-hmm. and um, working with the breath and, and uh, focusing on the heart and brain about uh, feelings of, of things like compassion or gratefulness um, and, and not necessarily needing a guide at that, at that moment. Um, but oftentimes, you know, it looks like we can get some pretty intense switches in our nervous system just with three minutes of heart-brain kind of coherence and, and that type of uh, emotional feeling from the heart um, and trying to get out of our minds and, and into the heart. So I love that. Uh, also a big fan of Joe Dispenza, if you've heard of him mm-hmm. and his work. So I do a lot of meditations that um, are you know, created by him too. So that's great. And what do you, um, I, what's your, what is your process? What have you found to be really helpful for your patients with kind of getting into that more mental, emotional realm? Because again, there's so many methods. Is it primarily meditation or do you have other counseling methods or, um, utilizing things like heart math, like, I guess, what, what kind of tools are you using in your practice for, for that area? Yeah. I mean, mostly what I do when I'm first working with someone is just to recommend one or two of those apps. I try not to get super fancy because people get a long list of options and they do none Mm -hmm. of them. (laughs) And so I found, Hey, you know, headspace, pick, you know, pick one app that you like and commit to 10 minutes a day. And that's all I ask. And that's all I start with. And it kind of goes back to that spark. If you light that for them and they actually initiate that and they do it, that, you know, that feeling they get while meditating, they're going to want more of that. And so it's naturally unfolds for them where they start looking into more ideas and, and deciding what works for them. Really my part usually is just showing them those apps and encouraging them at every visit. Hey, have you been, you know, working on those, have you been doing nothing (laughs) for 10 minutes a day? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't get much more fancy than that because I find, you know, sometimes that um, overwhelms people and then they they don't do anything with it and they don't take the recommendation. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes, the paralysis from, what do they say? Analysis paralysis. (laughs) Yes, that's real. It's very real. Um, Which which can happen with naturopathic medicine because there are things that we can do. It's just so easy to want to hand someone a laundry list of of everything that they can do all at once because we know that it could be helpful for them. But oftentimes that's not what's most helpful, you know, because then it leads to that. That very true. Yeah. But I'm also curious because um, you've, I've heard you mention about emotional stacking. I'm really curious if you could kind of tell us a little bit more about what that is and what that means in your practice. And just yeah. 
Yeah, emotional stacking is something I talk about that, you know, it's kind of this, it's, it's a vicious cycle. Again, it's like, you know, once we get into this thinking of, uh, you know, I'm doing something right or I'm doing something wrong, that's usually where it stems from. And then you feel like, okay, my doctor said I'm supposed to be doing all of these things, this, you know, laundry list of 20 things, and I haven't done that. So now I feel like a failure, you know, whether they say that or not, that can bring about feelings of guilt on top of it. And then it just kind of like it stacks from there, you know, and so we have to be really mindful of that. Um, Notice that within yourself, how that happens once you know, you get into that type of thinking and then the emotions kind of just stack on top from there and it turns into this vicious cycle that really isn't healthy. And um, learning that and learning to be able to be less, I think, black and white and this is good and this is bad is super important for naturopathic doctors in particular. Uh, We tend to be pretty... um, we eat organic, you know, we do all the right things and there can easily be this kind of like Puritan approach um, Mm -hmm. where you're actually causing and contributing a bit to the patient feeling not good about themselves. And it kind of emotional stacking happens with that. I'm not eating well enough. I'm not a good patient, you know, that it can kind of lead to that. So I, I've been, um, you know, when I first started, I was definitely more of, of a Puritan than I am now naturopathically. And, and you kind of have to realize that the majority of your patients are not where you are. Um, they haven't committed to their health in the way that you have. And that's okay, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, on, they're on their journey. And um, being soft about how you approach uh, treating them um, can be really helpful for them and not approaching it as like good and bad or black and white. Um, because that can lead to that emotional stacking, which is kind of like, you know, goes out from there. And it's, it's not a great feeling as a, as a patient. Um, And yeah, not, not a good feeling as a clinician either, you know? Yeah. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's such an important part of, um, I think, the, the journey of being an HPATHIC doctor, because again, we kind of enter the world of um, practicing with this mindset of, you know, this is everything that is good for you and um, this is what I know to be true, but then we also have to recognize that there is that meeting people where they're at still, which is so important, especially um, we talked with Dr. Dorian about the health disparities and you think about um, uh, being inclusive when you are making those prescriptions and recommendations because they might not be able to afford all organic meals. And so, you know, getting them, giving them the okay to buy canned vegetables if that's all that, if they're in a food desert and that's what they have access to or frozen yeah. vegetables, you know, whatever the, the best option for them at where they're at <laughs> is, is like you said, it's going to, to help, um, decrease the shame and, and that, that feeling of not being good enough or not, um, you know, not being where, where they're expected to be and, and not putting those expectations on patients that are, are out of their current realm of, of yeah. possibility. Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And it, it ripples, right? And it's, it has an emotional component too, which we know is the very foundation of health. <laughs> and so um, not that that's what we intend to do, but it, it you know, it can happen accidentally uh, quite often. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just so glad that you brought that up um, because it, it is just, it's really important to be aware of those things as practitioners. So thank you for, yeah. for bringing that to our attention. Um, are, is there anything else? Because I'm sure with working with Labrex, you do a lot of research and you're, I'm sure you're very involved um, in keeping current and, and your, your whole practice, it sounds, is very based around hormone health. And so I'm really curious, what other types of pearls do you feel like even naturopathic doctors or conventional doctors um, miss out on? Is there anything that you've kind of um, stumbled upon that, that seems like there's, there's just still you know, we're still missing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say I'll kind of drive this back to my own story again, because I think that um, represents so many of the doctors out there. You know, I'm just one of many, but um, when I first graduated, I had this opportunity to work with this company and I thought, well, this is really interesting. I like this idea, but I think there's a lot of, you know, discussion about bioidentical hormone replacement or hormone replacement. And I don't really, you know, I don't really jive with that. That doesn't seem right to me, right? Like our paleolithic ancestors weren't using bioidentical hormones. So like, why are we prescribing these? Um, And so I was a little, you know, not, not excited about that part. But again, the black and white thinking that we can sometimes have when we get out in the world. And I think, mm. you know, a meditation and a, and a good diet should be able to fix everything. everything yeah. Right. And so like, as funny as that is, that's truly kind of what, how, how I came out of naturopathic school thinking like, you know, that that's really what it comes down to. And people just aren't eating well enough and they're not meditating. enough. So um, that job gave me such an opportunity to dive into the research and to really understand and see how safe and how effective bioidentical hormone replacement is. And so I just um, want to put that out there that I was very close-minded to it when I, when I first got out. And I think there's a lot of naturopathic doctors that have kind of this, a a bit of fear around hormone replacement or kind of just um, mistrust of it from, you know, like the women's health initiative study, which you know, we won't go all dive into that today, but, um, but the bioidenticals are an amazing, amazing tool that can be used comprehensively with all of the other things that we're so good at teaching that foundation to help with diet and exercise and lifestyle and stress management and sleep and all of those things. But, um, it's just a beautiful tool that can be used alongside of that and works so well. And I see, uh, women transform with that type of therapy. So I urge you to take a look at the research and know that it is a lot safer than uh, most of us realize. Um, and so, yeah, that, that would, that would be what I would suggest. And sometimes missed with, with a lot of mm-hmm. NDs out there. Mm-hmm. So maybe an underutilized therapy that, that yeah. might be very beneficial for, for people, especially when you are dealing with the hormone health um, realm. And so I'm, I'm also really curious because um, it sounds like through your own journey, you were able to kind of, um, you know, you had your own experience. And so 
do you feel like that is kind of what led you to your your niche, if you will, or you know what you kind of are specializing in? Did that play? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I told you the story when, you know, I saw the naturopathic doctor for the first time because I had acne. It was a vanity issue. I wasn't coming in because I had type one diabetes and I had Hashimoto's and I had all these other things going on, but it was really that. And, you know, she did hormone testing on me and that, that test was what told her to say, Hey, add peanut butter to the apple that you're eating. You know, again, mind blown. Mm -hmm went, was so inspired. I said, I have to do what she does. She changed my life in like three visits. I want to be a naturopathic doctor. So full circle story. And this still gives me the chills to think about, but I was working at the lab one day. Um, it was probably three years into my career and I had ran a hormone test on myself just, you know, to see what was going on. I went into our system to pull up my test results and I saw my name was already in our system from 12 years ago. And I thought, oh, this is weird. <laughs> and I clicked on it. It was my hormone test from when I was 25 years old. I had no idea that that was the same company, that it was the yeah. same salivary hormone test. And I just was like, this is so surreal. I'm sitting here now working for this company, mm -hmm. changing people's lives. And this was like, I literally have the chills all over my body just talking about the story. And I could see the two test results pull up and I could see my test, my hormone test when I was 25, when I was a hot mess <laughs> and compare it to the one when I was about 35 and just see this like beautiful, drastic difference. It was like a PCOS style, you know, no progesterone, wasn't ovulating, had, you know, a high testosterone, high DHEA when I was 25 and then looking at the test. Now at 35, just this beautiful amount of progesterone, obviously very healthy ovulation happening, beautiful estrogen level, um, normal testosterone, normal DHEA, obviously no acne anymore. Um, the cortisol level was a little worse, obviously, after medical school. Right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> might, need, might need a few more years for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, that just, I just think that was such a poignant moment for me in my career to sit there and think, oh my God, like I really have come full circle. I had no clue that this was the same company or the same test. And I had mm -hmm. forgotten about that story. You know, you, you get caught up in med school and you get out in your career and you kind of forget how you even started in this journey sometimes because there's just so much going on. And so that was a fun moment to see and to be able to visually see the numbers and how different my life was and how, you know, I'm now sitting here doing the thing that inspired me the most and being able to help other people and teach other physicians how to interpret that test and how to treat their patients accordingly and have, you know, hopefully a, a massive effect and not just one person, but many people at the same time. So that was surreal. And yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that you were able to, to um, come full circle for yourself. Yeah. And yeah, I got the chills as well. I can just picture that image of, you know, oh my goodness, this is where I started really, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And I'm also curious kind of from a more business standpoint, because there are a lot of people transitioning to the online realm. Sounds like you do a lot of virtual care as well. Um, but uh, even aside from that, how do you feel like um, kind of finding your voice, finding that 
um, that specialty or, you know, that thing that you really are passionate about. Cause I can, I can like feel the passion from you with, with hormone health and, you know, in this area. And so I'm curious how that has impacted your business um, or your practice as a business. Um, if it, if it has, if you feel like it has. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the ultimate goal, right? Is we want to tie in what inspires us, what drives us and be able to voice that so that people can see it and they can hear it and they can feel it because that's what drives patients to, to choose you as mm -hmm. opposed to maybe, you know, someone down the street. And, um, while there are plenty of naturopaths, like say in the area that I'm in, you always want to be able to have your own niche and be able to focus in an area. I think, you know, when I was first getting out, I, I heard that and I understood that maybe from a marketing perspective, but it was really difficult because I thought, well, but naturopathic medicine can treat everything. There's mm -hmm. literally nothing it can't help. And so how do I possibly just pick one thing? Um, and so, you know, but I, if somebody told me, what did they say? Like, if you speak to everyone, you're speaking to no one. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very true. Um, and, and specifically I had no, his, no background in business or marketing. So I really, you know, had to be very open and, and willing to listen and willing to take that in and to kind of change my mindset around that. But the second I chose you know, to niche down, the, the, it just became so much more easy to be a successful business owner and to treat people um, successfully and to have, you know, patients, you know, keep coming in and keep booking new patients. Um, it sounds backwards. It always sounded backwards to me. It's like, no, but I, I don't want to, you know, narrow down. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, you still get to, you still get to treat a lot of other things. Nobody walks into your office with just a hormonal system, you know, and like nobody's just a skeletal system that walks yeah. in. They're, they're a whole body. They're not a type one diabetic. They're, you know, they're not just an autoimmune patient. So you do end up getting to treat everything, but you do have to market yourself. And I think niche down, um, it's, it's a whole heck of a lot easier that way. Um, so I would encourage those of you that are new to, to consider that and always remember too you can you can shift direction if it feels you know like you get to a point and you realize uh, I didn't quite go with my heart I wasn't listening to that and I chose something else that I thought was gonna be like the hot thing right and I don't I don't love that anymore and that's okay you can change direction but I do think choosing a, a specific area to focus in makes you a lot more successful and uh, less burnt out as a doctor. Mm. Yeah. And I, even from your own experience, I mean, you came in to see the naturopathic doctor because of um, cystic acne, right? It wasn't yeah. like you said, it wasn't because of type one, it wasn't because of any of the other things. And so if you um, were looking up someone, you would probably go to the one who was specializing in skincare potentially, or, you know, something, yeah. something like that. Um, but, and that's just what got you through the door. Um, but ultimately what she worked on with you was this whole laundry list of things connected all those dots, yeah. you know, we're, I mean, it is, it's a holistic system. So we're never going to be just working on the skin. We're never going to just be working on, um, the knee. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's things underlying that, that we know 
um, it's really just bringing them into the door, right? That's kind of what I've, I've tried to accept (laughs) as I, as I work to figure out my own, um, niche and, you know, whatever I want to kind of, uh, focus in on for myself is just remembering, okay, this is just what's going to get people started. just the hook that's all it is and you can mm-hmm. you know go super deep from there it's usually you know some kind of vanity point <laughs> so happy <you can laughs> weight gain pain you know poor sleep like there there's some kind of like big pain points that you know deeper than the patient does what they actually need but they're focused you know on that kind of superficial thing so you'll, you'll have the opportunity to dive super deep and do a lot of work, but you've got to kind of market yourself in that kind of realm. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, um, um, at least from, again, from listening to some of your other talks, um, that one of the things you kind of focus in on or tend to see a lot of are women with hot flashes and that sort of thing. Um, is that still kind of a big part of your practice. And I'm curious what kind of led you to that element. Yeah, I, I do. I tend to treat a lot of people, you know, 40 and up, um, because that's a lot of times where women will be, you know, mostly healthy their entire lives. And then all of a sudden dealing with symptoms from head to toe and really feeling like, like what the heck is going on? They feel scared and they don't have answers. And they think that, the only option is, you know, traditional hormone replacement, which is actually dangerous. So then they're left with no options. Um, and so, yeah, I treat a lot of women um, in that demographic and the hot flashes and night sweats drive them into the office. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a pretty uncomfortable thing and it's the most common symptom of hormone imbalance, you know, in those, in those years. So I've definitely kind of focused on that, but again, you know, there's so much more that's that's deeper than that but that's Mm -hmm. kind of the the hook that that really helps them to take action to comment because they're like this is unacceptable I don't like feeling this way it's very uncomfortable right and so we can do a lot of work in the hormone realm and um, I do utilize a lot of bioidentical hormone replacement Um, I do so in a physiologic level so not super physiologic dosing like a lot of docs out there are using but low level natural kind of body uh, body level, uh, hormone, hormone. That's great. Yeah. So it sounds like, um, did you kind of have that demographic in mind and then just kind of pick the pain point essentially that, that you knew was kind of driving them in? Yeah. I've always loved working with people and hanging out with people that are older than me for some reason. <laughs> I'm an old soul. I swear I was born that way. I would prefer to hang out like when I was younger with my friend's moms than my actual <laughs> so I just I don't know I have an old 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 soul and so I love working with older women that are um you know they've been through some stuff in life like they they have this sense of humility to them and I, I just love that aspect in a human being is uh, the ability to to be humble um so I I just really enjoy that demographic. I never thought that that would be the case. And quite certainly I love working with younger women too, but for some reason I've just honed in on, on that demographic and work really well with them. So I just roll with that. 
That's great. I mean, it sounds like you really have kind of put all of the pieces together of yourself to find that uh, demographic that you love working with, which is great. You know, you you went through your own journey with um, autoimmune disease as well as your own hormonal imbalances, um, and then your own personality, which you know it sounds like is is uh, attracting and and liking to be around that that group of people and so what you come out with is like your your perfect demographic right (laughs) it's really fascinating I mean if you think about your own journey and your own self and like when you wake up and realize you've actually settled into a career and like all of the pieces have fit together it's so weird you think like this random super introvert I like hanging out with people older than me like these are just (laughs) right and so like who knew that you could actually take those puzzle pieces and it would actually make sense at some point and so pretty cool when you get to that point and you just got to keep you know being okay with like your quirks and anything about you like that all fits into this puzzle piece um, and can show up in your career in a major way so Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And it's always so fun to see things kind of come together. And, um, and to be able to piece them together. I think that's part of what I love about naturopathic medicine is that um, there's so many creative souls in our, in our group, and um, they're able to utilize that creativity because naturopathic medicine really is an art. And, and so we're able to use all of these different elements of ourselves in our career, which, I mean, how lucky are we right (laughs) it's it's unbelievable it's so it's so full circle when you when you get to that place and so it can take a while Mm -hmm. to you know figure all that out but yeah you just keep at it and and you will get there and you'll wake up one day and just like think holy moly this is this is why it's all you know formulated this way and it's just very surreal Mm -hmm. And I'm also, this is kind of an aside, but I'm also kind of curious um, how you came to find Labrinx and how, sorry, I keep mispronouncing it, Labrinx, (laughs) and and how, um, what kind of role that's played in your career, and maybe even, um, you don't have to go into this, but maybe like the financial part of, of, um, I guess just how has it, how has it helped you? And um, would you kind of recommend, because I've, I have some colleagues who do similar things and I just see they learn so much doing that sort of work. Um, And so I, I see the benefit of it. And so I guess maybe just speaking to those that are kind of curious, you know, maybe they're looking for another stream of uh, revenue or they're just starting out. And so, you know, the stability would be nice, whatever elements. I'm just kind of curious if you could kind of speak to that. Um, it's a little, again, a little off topic, but it might be helpful for someone who's, who's kind of, um, you know, like, what does that mean? What, what do they do? Um, yeah. How could I yeah. do that? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Happy to talk about that. I mean, I um, was lucky enough. I had just a colleague who uh, recommended um, that, you know, I look into that position and I was fair, I was pretty brand new out of school at the time. Um, and so they took a chance on me as a, as a newbie and I'm just so thankful for it. I'm, I've been there ever since and I have no intention of going anywhere, but it was a wonderful, um, 
it, it was definitely gave a little bit of financial security when I was starting up in practice because that takes quite a while to build that patient base and to get it really rolling. Um, so that aspect was very helpful for me as a new um, ND and, and the intense amount of information I got to learn every time I was there and dive into this whole world that I definitely didn't have any of that during school. It was a very different approach to what we're typically taught. Um, so that was amazing. It was almost like a, a really intense residency in hormone um, hormone research because that's all we did was research and write articles and then I eventually had the opportunity to speak for them at conferences and that was kind of another level that really pushed me I like I said I'm the biggest introvert ever I think on planet earth and so the thought of being able to get up and to be able to speak in front of people just literally I just wanted to throw up there's no <laughs> way I would do that on my own <laughs> so they um you know really helped guide me to be able to to do that and then I was able to kind of just roll with it from there once I realized it wasn't life or death and it was actually going to be okay yeah. <laughs> so that was a wonderful opportunity but again you know the financial aspect was was big too you know I think it's great to have um, multiple different streams of income as a doctor because you can easily get burnout, especially in the medicine we do. We give so much. Mm -hmm. We spend so much time with our patients. We don't necessarily, if you're in the insurance model, get reimbursed for that a lot of times as we should. And so it can easily kind of be, um, if you're doing that full time, I find for me, at least it's really hard. I'd prefer that part time and be able to do other things and um, have my hands in a few other places. And so it can be very uh, well, well-rounded. And I find that that aspect complements my private practice so well, because I have the opportunity to sit and to do a bit of research and to bring that back to my patient base and to give them even more value um, because I'm not in clinical practice full time. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah. I just think it's, I mean, it's something it's kind of um, taboo to talk about finances. Right. But I just think it's a really important um, element to, to our career. I mean, just quite frankly, um, when you graduate, it feels like, and, and we've talked about this with some other naturopathic doctors as well, you know, oftentimes you end up needing to get another job because it does take quite a, a while to build up. And so then you have the financial pressure from student loans or um, even rent, whatever it is. Um, and so finding ways to give ideas to us, us new newbies on, on how to feel more financially secure. But I mean, to me, it just sounds like a great combination with working with those different uh, labs because you get to research, you're, you're learning so much information and, and it sounds like it, it gave you so many different opportunities through speaking and, um, and just all of these things. So uh, as yeah. taboo as it is to talk about finances, I just think it's, yeah. it's kind of something that we just need to talk about. We do need to talk about it. It shouldn't be taboo. I right? mean, it's just, it is, it is what it is. And like, if your bottom line isn't supporting you, I mean, you know, you're in trouble. So, and, mm -hmm. and I think as naturopathic doctors, we have a lot of a heart, right? And that tends to sometimes mean that we're not super, you know, aggressive business people, which can easily cause a situation where you have a lot to give and you can't give it because you can't make rent, right? And so mm -hmm. that's just the bottom line and being okay talking about this and okay, you know, 
doing something part-time and having a, a job that actually is like bringing in some money, whether that's waiting tables, like whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's okay. That is absolutely okay. And that's part of what builds strength, I think, as a, as a doctor, you know? And so, yeah, um, we, we should be talking about it. It shouldn't be taboo. So I'm glad you, you bring that up because it's a very real, a very real thing. And a lot of, um, physicians, unfortunately in our, in our field, you know, run into a lot of trouble because of that. They have big hearts, uh, but they're not bringing in enough money to keep going. So. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, the burnout, because we do just want to, I mean, if we could, we would all probably practice for free. Right. <laughs> um, and, but that's just not sustainable. <laughs> um, and so we just have to be realistic about it. And I think part of what will help is talking about it. So, um, thank you for, for being willing to talk about it and thank you so much for sharing your story. Is there anything else that you kind of would like to to um, to bring to awareness for other naturopathic doctors or naturopathic students out there, um, whether it's with their own journey or whether it's uh, more specific to naturopathic medicine, um, just anything else. Yeah, oh my gosh. So there's like so many things I can yeah. say. But- <laughs> Um, I think don't be afraid of bioidentical hormones. <laughs> that would be one. Um, remember the mental emotional aspect for all of your patients. If you have any type one diabetics, um, you know, remember, remember that, uh, don't be afraid of treating them. They're usually, um, if they're, if they're alive by now, they're pretty good at, you know, changing up their insulin regimens. And so, you know, I just encourage you to look beyond the labels and to not, not come from a place of fear and that that goes you know i guess across the board not just with type ones but um i think yeah getting getting beyond the like fear based treatment um is is huge and coming from a heart-centered place with your patients because they're going to feel that they're going to you know uh, love you even more for it mm-hmm. um don't be afraid to be always listening for every possible opportunity and being willing to, um, you know, have your hands in a few different areas. Um, uh, if you can be writing content and you can be trying to build a practice and doing quite a few different things, that's always going to uh, have a more solid foundation for you long-term. Um, what else could I tell you? So many things. <laughs> Um, remember why you came to naturopathic medicine. Mm. I oftentimes got so caught up when I was in school and first in practice, I totally forgot all that stuff. And I was just in like a sympathetic stress response at all moments. And, and I forgot, I forgot that story that I told you all today. I totally forgot it until I sat there at the lab one day and saw my test pop up from when I was 25 years old, you know, and it's just like this wash over of this you know, full circle moment. So remember why you first got started because it's easy to lose track of that and to get caught up in it's uh, not an easy journey. Sometimes it really isn't, um, but that's part of it. And that's why we chose it is because it's, it's not the easy way out. And it's not just handing someone a pill and not teaching them the deeper meaning of, of why they're here and what their journey is about. Um, so Yeah, I think all of that is so great and great reminders um, and and probably some (laughs) 
<laughs> not just reminders, but uh, new information for some people to consider as well. So thank you so much. And I always like to <clears throat> end these interviews with asking, you know, what keeps you inspired in naturopathic medicine and hopeful for the future of healthcare? Yeah, so I think, you know, the current situation that we're faced with right now is, is um, as tragic as it is, is also a huge reminder for me personally, and I hope for everyone else that like this medicine is, is it, you know, it, it, we have so many tools that um, other you know, conventional system just doesn't have and is really struggling with and and seeing that come to life and knowing that we have, you know, for every situation that arises, if this is an immune condition, that's, that's becoming um, a major issue that we have, we have so many tools mm -hmm. and that just feel, it feels so good to know that and to know that you can be of value no matter what, you know, and um, that I think inspires me specifically right now. I think continuing on uh, my own health journey is always inspirational because if you're like me, you'll, you get off track and you pull mm -hmm. yourself back in, you get off track again, you pull it in. And it's like this constant re-reminding yourself of how amazing this medicine is and how impactful it is when you use it and how, you know, how stark of a contrast it is when you get away from it. Cause we all do that. We get stressed out. We, you know, go back to not eating right and all of that. And it's just kind of a re-reminder all of the time for me. And so I think of it as like this kind of like this vortex learning style where you learn it again and again and again, it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. So that inspires me too, is, is my own journey within it, mm -hmm. um, as above, so below. And so, you know, that, that inspires me as well too. So that's a great, that's a great point. And very true. <laughs> uh, we're all on this, we're all on our own healing journey. And um, I think that's, I mean, that's just part of what helps us stay relatable <laughs> to our, our own patients and compassionate for them because no one is perfect. Um, we don't always have all the answers and, you know, we're not always, um, we're, we're all just doing our best, right? Um, so thank you so much for, for, again, sharing your story, sharing all of this great information with us, and for um, talking about the taboo topics of finances and, and business and all of those things um, that are, quite frankly, very essential to, to being successful <laughs> as a yeah, yeah, absolutely. So thank, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with you and um, feel like you asked ask such great questions and allow me to kind of voice, you know, what's, what's um, deep inside and, and brings me passion about this field, you know, as hard as it is at the end of the day, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's worth it, right? <laughs> well, thank you again so much. And thank you all for listening. And Dr. Laura, where can we find you? Where can people um, tune in if they want to learn more about what you do and, and hear from you? Where can they find you or reach you at? Yeah, so I think the easiest way is just to go to my website, which is drneville.com, and it's doctor spelled out, um, neville.com, and then I've got my Instagram page there. You can link to that, Facebook, 
Um, those are the top places that I'm at. And then, um, yeah, mostly, mostly, but it's all on my website. So I would go there first. Okay, great. And we'll be sure to link those um, below in the the bio. Um, so again, thank you so much. It's been so great speaking with you and hearing from you and hearing your story. So I really thank appreciate you. it. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Thank you, guys. And again, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and share to keep the inspiration going. As always, I hope you stay well and stay inspired.